stronger. <laughs> Building faith and taking action through Christ and his covenant. Uh, this month, we're going to do a series through the book of Hebrews. Um, and it's going to be amazing, in my opinion, because the word of God never returns void. And so I want to encourage all of us to, to read Hebrews this month. Read it. Uh, these, this, this week and next week, I'll be preaching mainly from the first half. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more in a second. And then Pastor Jimmy's got a fire word about the covenant. And um, then Pastor Jesse's going to preach and um, wrap it up. But while we're doing that, I really highly, highly encourage you to read it because you'll get way more um, from not just what we're saying, but from Jesus and what he's saying to you, yeah? And um, so do it. I bless you to do it. I pray that you read it, and as you sit with Jesus, there's going to be a lot of things that you read. You're going to say, what is this? And you're going to scratch your head. Um, I feel like that always happens in the Bible, but you just keep reading it, keep enjoying it, and let God speak to you personally. Um, pretty soon you're going to, which many of you are already doing this, but God's got words that he's going to flow through you. Whatever you're reading out and about in life, something's going to happen. People are going to be talking to you and going to go, oh, I read something about that. I got a, I got a word that can help you. Um, his word doesn't return void. <laughs> it's not just going to impact you. It's going to make a harvest even for others to feed from. So that's my encouragement. If you got a Bible, let's open up to the book of Hebrews. I'm going to give us an overview of the book of Hebrews so fast, you'll probably forget half of it. But it's okay, because we're going to keep going through it for this whole month. So Hebrews is a book in the New Testament. Are we laughing about babies? Don't be sorry. Um, Hebrews is a book in the New Testament. And the gist is... We've got something greater than what they had for thousands of years in the Jewish community. We have somebody greater than Moses because this guy created Moses. We've got somebody greater than the high priest Levi because this guy made one sacrifice for all time. We've got a covenant better than the old covenant, because this isn't about a law on the outside, but he comes to live in you and he writes his law on your heart. The sanctuary that we have now is better than it was in the past, because back in the past you had to travel wherever you were in the world all the way to Jerusalem to see a temple, and right now all you have to do is enter by faith in the Spirit into a sanctuary not built with man's hands but it's in the heavenly places where angels surround it. Isn't this amazing? This book is highlighting, first and foremost, Christ and who he is, that he's God. I'm gonna say that again. I said it when we were all studying it together. I just thought, oh, it's so crazy. If I preach this message, I could literally get killed in a bunch of countries for preaching this message, what we're gonna preach tonight. Um, when Brady was just saying that they had to be discreet, well, he was in one of the countries where there's a lot of people that don't like this message. Um, 
It's pretty wild. This message that we're going to preach about Jesus is so transforming, not just for the individual. It literally changes governments and systems. Other religions get afraid of it because it can topple their whole system. A lot of governments are afraid of it because their governments are built on certain religious systems as well. And others are afraid of it because it brings a lot of freedom to individuals and it takes away control that they might feel like have. This message that we're about to preach has literally gotten millions of people killed for Jesus. This is wild. We have a lot of freedom here, so we get to say it, and it's just like another Saturday or another Sunday. Um, but when I say first and foremost that Jesus is God, that's a big statement. Jesus is God. And he took on flesh and he dwelt among us. Hebrews in the first part deals with that. Second part is, it says that he's our high priest and he is a mediator between us and the Father. And it says that we have a better covenant and then it gives you a bunch of encouragement, which Pastor Jesse is going to be really good at um, summing it all up for you. All right. Everybody at Hebrews now, I gave you a lot of time. Chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's pause right there. Jesus is creator. Through him, all things were made that were made. All things. And not just made through Jesus, all things are held together by Jesus. All things are, you're held together by Jesus. What keeps all the matter and all the, I don't know, we get some chemists up here who can, maybe Glenn can help us out. What keeps us together? Jesus. He literally holds all things together. If it wasn't for him, it would all become dust and nothing. He holds all things together. He wasn't just a man. He was God incarnate. God became a man, and it says that he purged our sins from us. That means he removed the sin that was in us. That's what he came to do. So, um, I was thinking, let's read one more verse. I want to read this one too. In the book of Hebrews, they go on and they say, basically, Jesus is better than all the angels. We're going to skip that. Verse uh, 6 says this, let all the angels of God worship him. Verse 8, to the Son 
God says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And this is also what it says about Jesus, verse 10. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up, and they will all be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. This is not some normal dude walking down the street. God, at one point in time, took on flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father. He is the perfect express image of God. You were made in the image of God and after his likeness. And I'm gonna say that word one more time, ready? You were made, made in the image of God and after his likeness. He is the image of God that you were made after. He is the radiance, the brightness of God's glory. If the invisible God had a glory, you guys think of glory, maybe you think of shiny, Shekinah glory. You think of shininess, colors maybe. Some of you are seeing light. You're thinking like the sun. Anybody? You're, you're, you're recognizing that there's rays of light coming off. There's glory coming off of him. That's his goodness, yeah? The invisible God has a radiance. He's got a shine. He's got a look. And that radiance is Jesus. You can't see the invisible God. The Bible says no one's ever seen him. But the only begotten Son who's in the bosom of the Father has made him known. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus says. He is the image of the invisible God. The angels of God, it says, we just read, worship him. The angels worship him. He's the image of the invisible God. Who do you think the angels see when they worship God? They see Christ. And even before he was born and took on flesh, he's the eternal son of God through whom all things were made. He's the image of God. When the angels behold him and worship him, they see him. (laughs) Isn't this fun? The angels worship him. Can you... Let's just entertain me, too. Here we go. We're going to go to Matthew. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to flip some Bible verses real quick, back and forth. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was in the death. This is when he's starting his ministry. We all know he gets baptized in the water. He comes out. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. The Bible says the Spirit drives him into the wilderness, and he's tempted by the devil. Okay? Hmm. <laughs> And uh, one of the things the devil says to him in verse 9 of chapter 4 of Matthew, the devil said to Jesus, all these things I will give you, because he was showing him a bunch of worldly kingdoms, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Worship me. And Jesus said to him, (laughs) so funny, Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. 
For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Worshiping is not just singing songs. Worshiping is not just falling down at our feet and praying and holding on to him. Those are worship. But worship is giving your life over to something. Worshiping it, something is like everything that I am, everything that I have is for you and for your glory. That, that is the ultimate worship. When you live for something, if you live for money, you worship money. If you're living for him, you worship him. So Jesus says, the devil says, worship me. I imagine Jesus chuckled. And he said, no. God alone do you worship, and he alone do you serve. Now let's go back two chapters here. Do we know what happened? Oh, no, before we do that, i got to read this to you. This is so good. Book of Acts, chapter 10. If you don't want to flip, just listen to me. I could just say it too, but I kind of just want to flip the pages. Acts 10. Peter gets called to preach to the first Gentiles that become Christian. And this guy named Cornelius has an encounter with an angel. And the angel tells him, go ask for this guy named Peter. And Peter's going to come and tell you what's up. Okay? So Peter ends up coming, and this guy Cornelius had gotten all of his relatives and friends to gather around because they thought this guy Peter must be a big deal. All right? So in chapter 10, Cornelius, dude, chapter 10 is so long. Cornelius falls down and starts to worship Peter when Peter shows up. He falls down and starts to worship Peter. And Peter's response to him is, get up. Stop it. I'm just a man. Get up. Stop it. I'm just a man. This guy's theology was so bad. He started worshiping Peter, and yet God had so much favor for him because this guy had a heart for God. And he ultimately preaches Jesus to them. We all know the story. He starts to speak in tongues. And they said, Why? well, we can't hold back the water. Let's baptize him in water too. But this guy tries to worship Peter, and Peter says, get up. I'm just a man. Yes? Okay. Let's go back to Matthew. This is Matthew chapter 2. The birth of Jesus. You guys ever heard about the three wise men? No? Just me? <laughs> Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. The three magi says, when they saw the star... They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they had come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him. And then it says, they opened their treasuries and they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's go a few more chapters over in Matthew chapter 14. The Lord's walking on the water and they're all afraid. 
And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, this is Matthew 14, 28. Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said to Peter, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. There you go, verse 33. And those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, you are truly the son of God. Peter, the same person who when someone fell down to worship him, he said, get up, I'm just a man, was worshiping Jesus in the boat after he walked on the water. Matthew chapter 28, one more. Entertain me. Matthew 28. There was an angel at the tomb. He said to the women... Verse 7 of 28, go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples' word. Verse 9, And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them and said, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. We do not worship mere men. Angels are not worshiped, but men and angels alike worship Jesus. God alone shall you worship. The angels worship him. He wasn't just a mere man. God Almighty took on flesh and he tabernacled among us. He made the invisible God known to us. Okay, let's go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. So we've got, we've got this God who in the beginning said, let there be light, that if you were to ever see him, you would see his image, and that is the Son of God. That is Christ. And we have this God who created everything, created you and me and all the fishies in the sea, We have him become a man, and the question is why? Why at the end of time did Christ come and take on flesh and dwell among us? In Hebrews chapter two, he tells us why. This is verse 14. It says, inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, Likewise, shared in the same, 
that through death he might destroy him who has the power over death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus took on flesh. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Yeah, wages of sin is death. And Jesus took on flesh and experienced death when he didn't need to. Not only did he not need to, he was, he was, he was perfect. Kill a perfect man, they come up from the dead. Verse 17, in all things he'd been made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. When, when we act, I'm going to just say it real blunt, when we act dumb, i.e. sinning, when we're acting dumb, the, the Bible says that God doesn't, now this is quoting the Bible, if this is buggy up first, just follow with me, Okay. The Bible says God doesn't hear sinners, but to the person who is righteous, he listens. Praise God that Jesus came. (laughs) Your sin talks, and it gives a witness, and it speaks. It's kind of like the Bible where it says that there was Cain and Abel, and the brother killed the younger brother and buried him, and his blood was crying out. His sin was talking. And then there was sin against Jesus, a perfect man, yet his blood speaks differently. His blood speaks of good things and intercession for you. Though our sins are as red as scarlet, Christ makes us white as snow. He suffered something he didn't deserve, so you can get something you will never earn on your own. That is life and life everlasting. He loves you. He sent his son into the world to show you he loves you. The Bible says he shows his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every religion in this world, minus Jesus, is trying to be good. To either appease their gods or to be good enough to be their own God. Every other religion is humanity trying to reach to heaven in some sense and to cling on to some type of divine or reach in such a way that they're trying to be the divine themselves. The difference in Christ is that God came down to us. (laughs) Yeah. Where we, the Bible says, in bondage, bondage, slaves, in chains, because of sin. If you feel like you're in chains, I just want you to know this is good news. Somebody broke those chains. Some of you might feel like you're in a jail cell. Got good news. Somebody kicked the door open. You might still be sitting in it, but get up and get out. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
But he came to destroy the devil, the one who had power over death, the one who yaps an accusation against you. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The blood of Christ sets you free. God became like us. And he went before us in such a way to go down into the grave and to rise back up. Yay. And the Bible says that he makes, this is a big Bible word, which most of you know, but a lot of these words I don't know until I look them up. He made propitiation. Who says that over coffee? He was propitiating for you, and he made propitiation for your sins. What does that mean? Well, your sin talks, and it ain't good. Because when your sin talks and the things talk, the blood cries out, justice is demanded. The world is not going to end broken at the very end. Everything will come into alignment with justice. Everything will come into alignment with justice. Your sin does talk, but his blood talks way better. When it says he makes propitiation, what that means is by his act, he gained favor with God for you. That's what it means. It means he did, propitiation means he did something that gained a favor that you couldn't get. Yeah. He did something that gained a favor that you couldn't get on your own. This is good news. His blood speaks better than anything Anything, culminate everything in this room, multiply it by infinity, his blood speaks so much louder than all of it. I'm talking about all the bad things. His blood speaks louder. Yay! God took on flesh and dwelt among us. That makes a lot of people mad. It really does. See, God taking on flesh and having a son isn't because God's weak. It's because God's meek and God is love. And he loves you. He's not the tyrant on the throne demanding you to be perfect and be something you're not, i.e. God. And if you don't, he whacks you with his scepter. It says in Hebrews, we read it, your throne, O God. Whose throne? Who's it talking about in Hebrews? Jesus. Your throne, O God. Who? Jesus. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. The Lord is righteous. The foundation of his throne is justice, righteousness, peace and truth. 
all things good and lovely flow from his throne. Yes? It was impossible for us to run up into the sky and kick open the doors of heaven and say, we deserve to be here. (laughs) When humanity dies, when humans die, what person do you see clawing out on their own strength going, I don't want to die yet? And they come out of the grave, they dust off the dirt. You go, whoa, you're still alive. You say, yeah, I chose not to die. The only man they saw do that, that level forever, is Jesus. And they worshiped him. God did something for us, and he offers us life that we will never be able to get on your own. Outside of Christ, outside of Christ for humanity, future is dark. Death is dark outside of Christ. Outer darkness, dark. No man will be able to ascend on their own, by their own righteousness, but Christ has made a new and living way. I'm going to say this again. Christ has made a new and living way. In the Old Testament, there was a temple, and in the Holy of Holies, there was a veil. And the high priest would go in there very seldomly to make sacrifice. When Christ hung on the tree, the earth shook, the skies went dark, and the veil in the holy place was torn from top to bottom. Jesus, in his death, by the way, he defeated the devil. In his death, he made a new and living way for us to come into the holy place. Christianity is not just, I've got all my like, got all my rational thinking down. We get to commune with the living God. This book of Hebrews is powerful. It's saying, you could be in your house and you can go in a closet. You could just shut the door right behind you and go into the real holy of holies. He made a new and living way by his blood. Not just for you to go there, but for him to come and dwell in you. Why? Because he purged you of all sin. Yay. I'm going to wrap up here. Chapter 4. Can I get the worship team up here? Chapter 4. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. I want to say something to you. God became a man and dwelt among us 
to purge you of your sin, to take away the sin of the world, to defeat the devil, the one who had power and authority over you, through whom you were doing all things and works of darkness, and he did and acted through you as a child of disobedience, and Christ came to set you free. He came to kick open the jail cell door that the devil had the keys to, and he said, you're free through his death and his resurrection. He experienced a path. He went on a way, way before you, so that you can come to a new path, a new way in him. Literally, he's the way. You get to go hang out with him. You get to commune with him. You get to have communion with the living God. God is not just invisible, and we're here, and God knows what, whoever God is, man, God made us, but who knows? No, God's invisible, and he's made himself known to us. Some of us really want prophetic words. I'll tell you this, like the best prophetic words you can get, open your Bible, like read about Jesus. That's God walking. <laughs> wow. I wish we had more written down, you know? But he's still speaking by his spirit. It's because of him that he says, I've got something even, it's good that I go. It's, I've got something even better. I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. We're gonna come and make our home in you. God making our, his home in us. The only reason that's possible is because Jesus cleansed the temple. Jesus cleansed your body with his death in his body. He made propitiation. By an act, he gained favor for you. He purged, got rid of all the sin that was a part of you. When you come in faith in Christ, he lives in you. He doesn't live in a dirty temple. God's house is holy, and you are the house of God. <laughs> yeah. And it says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Whose throne is it? Your throne, O God. Jesus. Let us come boldly before his throne his throne of grace because he's got two things for you. Number one, he's got mercy for you. He's got mercy for you. Mercy, it's not about what you've done that gets favor. It's about what he's done that gives you eternal favor. And from that, you get radically changed. Come to the throne because he's got two things for you. He's got mercy and two, he's got help for you because he became a human and all the ways that we struggle in this life that are difficult for us, that we feel, where are you, Father? Where are you, God? I'm praying, where are you at? You know, Jesus actually prayed and there was things he was like, this is difficult. He sweat blood. And all the generality, all the ways that men are tempted, women are tempted, we're struggling in this world. The Lord lived flesh and he's got all the wisdom, he's got all the guidance, he's got all the power that you would ever need. He doesn't just want to give you your Willy Wonka ticket mercy and then you never talk to him. He wants to give us the Willy Wonka ticket. Some of you don't like Willy Wonka, but whatever. But he also wants us to come before his throne so that we can receive help. There's communion that he's calling us into. So as we sum up, Jesus is God. He's not just a dude. He's the dude. He's the man. The man. 
the image of God. We were made after him. Who was it? If God's invisible, who was it that took the dirt and formed a human? Who was it that took his mouth and breathed in Adam? Who was it that put Adam to sleep and took out a rib? Who was it that was walking in the garden? Walking in the garden. Who was it? Yeah, it's our Lord. Come on. We were made in his image after his likeness. In communion with him, you get to grow up in the fullness that you were made for. He made you through him, for him, by him, to him are all things. Ugh. You were made for him. It's not like a side thing. It's not like, oh, Jesus is God, good message. It's the sum of everything good for you. You're, you make a toy, the toy does something. The toy never does the thing. That would be sad. You, you were, you're so much more than a toy. You're made after his image with life in you. But we don't become the people we're called to be unless we hang out with him. And Jesus made the way, yeah. This changes the world because God changes us from the inside out. All right, I'm gonna pray for you guys. Father, thank you, Lord. We love you, we worship you. this I had this dream where Jesus said to me in the holy place he said tell people to come in here and see me tell people to come in here and see me the invisible God has made himself known praise God we get to go look at him come in and see him that's my encouragement to you